welcome to the Carry On Podcast. This is your host, Lindsay Rowland. Today, we are going to discuss the Tayu case with lawyer with her lawyer, Eric Montalvo. But before I introduce Eric, I want to give our listeners a few general details about this complex case. Tayu is a corporal in the United States Marine Corps. She has been incarcerated for over eight months in the Chesapeake Brig. She is charged with attempted murder, among other charges and is expected to face a general court-martial in the next month or so. She is also a survivor of military sexual trauma. Many see this case as a systematic failure by the U.S. Marine Corps with a laundry list of social injustices. Tay's story has been shared widely online and in advocacy circles as symbolic of broader issues with how the military treats sexual assault victims. Her lawyer, Eric Montalvo, is a former Marine who retired, who retired from active duty after 21 years. He is a founding partner of the Federal Practice Group located here in DC. Uh, he has earned an international reputation as an aggressive, thorough, and respected trial attorney. Mr. Montalvo also has been recognized as a national leader in military law. Welcome, Eric. Nice to be with you today. Thank you for your time. Thank um, you. Before we get into the case, Real Heavy, can you give us a little background about uh, your time in the Marine Corps? Sure. I started out as an enlisted uh, person. Um, I attained the rank of sergeant, uh, was in the Gulf War with 1st Tank Battalion, uh, uh, went through the MESEP program, Marine Enlisted Commissioning Education Program, uh, um, became an officer, uh, went to Iraq in 0506, um, and then, uh, and then my last tour was in Guantanamo, about two-thirds of the way my, through my career. I was also selected uh, to go to law school, uh, which I did in Temple, uh, Philly. And then I served the remaining sort of seven-ish years as a judge advocate uh, from being a prosecutor, command advisor, uh, defense counsel, and then uh, winding up in Guantanamo, um, you know, resolving some of those cases. So, um, and then I had to go to Afghanistan a few times uh, uh, connected to that. So I feel like I had a pretty fantastic full career. I've seen a lot of things, um, from junior enlisted on up to my rank as a Mustang major and, um, you know, and then in my civilian uh, practice, I've continued to take on military matters ranging from, you know, disability issues, uh, to criminal. Uh, and so this is, this is a place of interest for me. It's a passion for me, and um, I'm going to continue to do that until my retirement. All right. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit about yourself. Mm -hmm. Because this case is so complex, I'm going to let you start where where you would like to start. Sure. So um, I think the interest from a public policy perspective is in the systemic failure here. Um, as you may have mentioned uh, up front. And um, I think I would uh, place those failures into a couple of baskets. Um, the first failure is on the recruiting side. Um, my observations there, and I, I do have a little bit more insight into that because I was stationed in the Eastern uh, recruiting region uh, for some time. Um, you know, th the recruiting process in this case and, and maybe more generally is flawed. Um, and uh, that, that will be something that will have to be addressed in, in some way. Um, I think there's a failure of recognition regarding mental health issues. Um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that the commands are well equipped to deal with uh, more uh, nuanced or complicated you know, mental health cases. And so I think that that has played out in this case. Um, I think the services in general continue to struggle with how to deal with sexual assault issues. Um, in this case, I believe they've th there's a complete failure uh, to either recognize or address that. Um, and you sort of see the, the conflict arising from a, uh, a med board determination, uh, which, you know, uh, adjudicated her at a 70% level uh, for sexual trauma. And yet the Marine Corps uh, in, the, in the same breath accusing her of malingering. Uh, 
And so um, that that dichotomy uh, sort of represents one of the fundamental issues in uh, both military justice and and in leadership, right? Um, because it's it's a disregard. Uh, uh, of the facts that are in front of them. Uh, now, why they did that or, or, or who's advising them to do that, I can't speak to those issues. I'm not behind closed doors. I don't, I don't know why, but you know, the facts are um, she's been found to be suffering from you know, sexual trauma. Uh, she made what I believe to be a credible uh, sexual assault allegation. The investigation that was performed uh, was inadequate. Uh, and I, I say that, uh, you know, in the context of me being a former prosecutor uh, and dealing with sex assault issues, as well as a military uh, detailed defense counsel and senior defense counsel dealing with these on active duty. And then also my practice out here uh, in the civilian side, um, you know, and, and, all, and we do represent victims of sex assault on occasion as well, uh, you know, given the, the VLC. Uh, aspect of, of military justice these days. So, um, looking at this pretty objectively, um, an eight-page investigation that really didn't investigate uh, the issues here, uh, you know, raises questions. I'm sorry. Say that again. How many pages? Uh, the total investigation was ten pages, uh, but eight of those had some substance in them. But um, uh, just suffice it to say that uh, it, it did not fully vet uh, the issues that I would, you know, suspect they should have been vetted, and um, and that in almost all the other investigations I've ever seen have been. Uh, so there was a pretty anemic effort undertaken here. I don't I don't know why that is. Uh, I can't I can't second guess uh, the investigators, but my our own investigation thus far has provided. Uh, you know, a good volume of information that I think was readily available uh, to the government, and they chose not to uh, pursue that. So, um, so going back to my baskets, you know, recruiting process problem. Um, I think we have, you know, uh, the the mental health issue uh, problem. Um, you know, failure to recognize, failure to properly engage, failure not to, to you know to to deny her going to Wounded Warrior Battalion, um, you know, failure to recognize the severity of the issue, um, yeah, you know, accusing her of malingering because they don't see, you know, a sucking chest wound, um, you know, so there's no real injury here, um, and then you know, and then a failure to investigate, um, to to believe, at least initially, the allegation, um, you know. Uh, if someone is truly a victim of sexual assault, um, and when I say truly, because the, the, on occasion there are false allegations, and I've dealt with that as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, but when you don't take someone's complaint uh, seriously, you are sending a message that you're you're not going to be heard. And if someone believes that they are not going to be treated with dignity or be heard, um, they're less likely to come forward. And that's one of the problems with sex assault is that people don't want to report. And they don't want to report because they're going to be treated like Corporal Ooh. And so this is this is a, a sign for all other uh, you know alleged victims out there that if you go down this road, uh, you know, it's possible that you'll be retaliated against. Um, and, you know, what does that do to the system? Uh, and so, you know, if, if someone is making allegation because they're trying to situate themselves or is an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend issue or whatever, 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 you know, you know, they're not as concerned with, you know, uh, rejection because they're going in with, you know, the half fly to begin with. Right. Um, you know, for the people who are true victims, they're very vulnerable. OK, it is very traumatic to be taken advantage of in this way. Uh, it, it's 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 almost for, for me, I look at it as almost a death sentence. Right. You're, you're going to live for the rest of your life, but you're under a death sentence because you can never fully appreciate 
your life in the way that you could before you were traumatized. And that's not fair, right? And so if somebody's not going to listen to you or give you at least a, a fair hearing, um, you know, you, you can't heal, right? And it, it's it's further injury. It can make and the then, suffering more complex, I think, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and then you, you know, they second guess themselves, uh, they're not going to get the treatment they need or the, the, the help. Um, and, um, you know, I, this is a complex issue. Uh, uh, you know, I think this case demonstrates, um, you know, a, a number of failures you know, from a systemic standpoint, right? Some of it's personal to Corporal U, you know, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, she's borne the brunt of this, um, you know, you know, this ineptitude, but, um, you know, this is a systemic problem that has to be relooked at because, uh, you know, if I'm a victim in the system and I'm looking at what's going on, there's no way I'm coming forward uh, because I'm going to be told, to, you know, shut up, you know, get, get, go over in the corner, stop complaining, you're making it up. Um, and uh, how horrible uh, when, when, and then in the military, it's even more concerning because as a Marine, especially, you know, we, we are brothers and sisters, right? And we're supposed to trust the man or the woman on our left and our right. And in this case, you know, the enemies from within, uh, and, you know, when you have someone who you trust, your superior, who you're vulnerable, you're confining with, you, you look up to them, you respect them for the rank and hopefully their leadership. And then that's the person that betrays you. That That's pretty serious stuff. OK. And, um, and, and and that is, you know, those represent some of the facts in this case. So um, th th this is alarming on a lot of different levels. Um, I'm very disappointed in the path that's been taken here. Obviously, there's a there's an interesting conflict here because I'm defense counsel in one matter, uh, but I'm I'm almost a prosecutor in another uh, regarding the sex assault. Now, mm, okay. whether or not you know this person committed this alleged crime, that's 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 an issue for another tribunal. Um, and you know he has he's innocent until proven guilty. That's the way this works. Uh, what I'm speaking to is uh, that conversation wasn't even really had. Uh, and when when you shut it down before it even starts, uh, that's quite remarkable because they're in. Sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I want to ask you a question, but I'll let you finish your sure. thought. No, well, anyway, but uh, that's not the way the system was intended to work. And uh, so I, I think that that's a critical failure here. So a question for you, and um, if you don't want to answer, that's fine. But um, so I, uh -huh. so I've read that the DD, the, the DD form twenty nine ten, the victim reporting preference statement initially was never submitted um, uh -huh. to the database. Is is that true, or is that something that the kind of the media has picked up? We're we're looking at all of that, and um, I'm not, I'm just not going to speak to that that particular detail right now. So. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. How did you um, initially get involved in this case? So, um, Tay is suffering. And uh, Tay is suffering from a lot of harm that she's endured. That harm occurred, you know, prior to her joining the military and in the military. And, um, so she, she is a person who is extraordinarily bright, um, very engaging, uh, you know, um, you know, her orientation to being a Marine, I think is on point, uh, on, on all accounts, you know, minus when she's, you know, decompensating or, or having issues. Uh, she was a, a pretty darn good Marine. Uh, she was squared away. She, you know, uniform, uh, had all of the NCO qualities, you know, going on for her. So um, she had prior counsel, um, I think, because she was not being treated properly. Uh, she uh, I became suspicious of, of what was happening. 
I can't speak to those issues. I was not there. Uh, but at some point, I was reached out to uh, by uh, people who knew of me and said, you know, would I be willing to at least speak with the family and uh, potentially take on the matter? I was reluctant to do so because she had already had counsel, seemed like it was adequate counsel. So um, it, it didn't seem like there was a need for me to step in. Um, the issue became acute. And so um, I, I was asked to, to jump in and, and then I did. Um, and once I got into the case, I identified immediately that um, the mental health issues were not being addressed by the government properly. So we were beginning that conversation. We were generally were going to resolve the matter through a settlement, uh, but then uh, there was a change in, in uh, sort of we'll call it uh, legal leadership, and um, they decided to take it a, a different route. So, um, so we've been battling on the mental health issues uh, since I came onto the case, and um, and sort of that's how I got in. So um, is she currently receiving mental health treatment or? Right. So um, each detention facility. So um, let me say it this way. When someone is convicted of something, they are in a certain status as a, as a convicted person. Someone who's pre-trial uh, is in a different posture because they're not convicted, right? They're innocent until proven guilty. So there's a different level of treatment that they should receive. Not that a convicted person is, is going to be uh, treated uh, with less dignity or any of these other things. What I'm saying is it's a, it's a different status. So, um, you know, uh, because you're, you're still not uh, yet uh, convicted. Um, and when you're in this pretrial status, uh, they don't send you to the larger facilities like Leavenworth, who which have more robust um, treatment program, et cetera, because they're dealing with a population that they know is going to be there for a while, right? Uh, she's in a short-term confinement facility, it's a level one facility. It is not equipped to treat her or, or issues of mental health. So that's a big, huge issue here and a bone of contention because you know and the hospital that has been seeing her um i don't think they've gotten it right yet so um so it's a problem right they they are treating her more uh, it's a dismissive and passive you know approach to her mental health treatment um you know if you review the entire record of this exchange on this issue, um, I, I think you would be, I don't want to say too too much hyperbole, but horrified uh, because if you were suffering from mental health issues and kept in a cage and not, you know, given the appropriate medication or, or you know, given treatment, which is what she needs, um, you know, it, it, it exacerbates the situation exponentially. Uh, well, and also, also, I don't know how you could um, diagnose her with anything if her reality is a cell. I mean, you'd have to see how she reacts in and outside in the world. And I don't know how you could diagnose them. I mean, possibly, but I feel like that would be a hard environment to put any diagnoses on. Well, what you're doing is from a trigger standpoint, if you are excluding her from human contact, you are um, restricting her her movement, her thought process. Um, you are effectively treating her as a prisoner uh, for all intents and purposes, confronting the reality that she believes she's been sexually assaulted and you know all of the other things that she's you know dealing with. Um, it's just a recipe for disaster. And that's what we're seeing play out uh, with her confinement. It's just, um, I... I I am very frustrated that she's still in confinement. Uh, I, but I cannot solve that unless we resolve it through the litigation process. And it's taking longer uh, because the government continues to resist providing adequate resources for us to move, move the case forward. That, that's sort of broken loose more recently by the military judge. 
So we're pretty happy about that uh, result. And uh, we're going to try to move this thing along as fast as possible because I want to get her out of there as soon as we can. And how how is your access to her? Or when is the last time you you saw her? Well, we have a number of different challenges here, right? We have a challenge of uh, geolocation, right? Because she's not around the corner. Um, we, we have a challenge of COVID, uh, so that's another issue. Uh, we have a challenge because if she decompensates, she can be she can be walled off for periods of time, which has happened. So even if we've had a scheduled trip, she's not available because you know she's having issues. Um, so uh, I think that detailed military council have been very diligent about you know seeing her on as frequent a basis as they can uh, to help her through. We try to do weekly calls with her to you know hear from us. Uh, I know her family's trying to engage on a regular basis as well. Um, and so, and, and we've been down there, but obviously there's cost to us traveling down there on the, on the civilian side. So we're, we're trying to manage all of that and give her as much you know, support as we can, but it, it proves difficult. Uh, this, the facilities are not adequate for us to do the things that we need to do. And it's, that's another frustration point. Do you feel that because this case has received a decent amount of media attention, do you see that helping or hindering um, the, this case? Well, I mean, um, the case is properly litigated in the courtroom, right? So that's where it's supposed to be and that's where we are um, and that's where it will remain. Um, I, I do think that the media exposure, you know, whether it helps Tay or not, uh, it, it's an important discussion because it's it's talk. You know, she should be an example for others to, uh, you know, to to raise the concerns uh, regarding some of these systemic issues that are, that are exist, because it really does highlight sort of the, um, the 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 lack of competencies in these various areas or or uh, procedures that that don't uh, really account for this um intersection uh, of issues so all that to say is that um you know i i think the conversation has to be had uh it should be had uh amongst policymakers uh to to uh to do a better job and help the military move past this um the, this sort of you know difficulty uh you know in, in in understanding what and how to do things um and uh and i do believe that for for tay it's helpful to know that other people are pulling for her and you know for her mental health welfare so you know from that standpoint i think she benefits from that uh that that fact so is she aware of the campaign that's going on outside or I, i'm sure she gets letters right Sure. I mean, the people corresponding with her, I mean, her sister keeps her apprised of, of things. Um, you know, uh, I really don't get into media issues with her. Uh, I, I, I just, it's not a conversation I'm having with her. Uh, I'm trying to answer the questions that are being asked of me and, um, you know, move that along. So, I mean, my, my focus is on the case really, and, and just try to get us from point A to point B. So you talked about earlier getting her out of there as quickly as possible. What do you see as the idea, your idea of the ideal situation when end state, when this is over for, for her? Yeah, I call this my magic wand moment. Um, what, what I would like to see here is that, um, you know, if ultimately the Marine Corps has to have their quote unquote pound of flesh, which they already have, I mean, she's been in confinement for eight months and from day one, they've always said time served. So, you know, she's already exceeded that, you know, a thousand percent, um, you know, is for her to medically retire is what she's been rated for. I mean, that's already a determination. I believe she's earned that. I believe that the Marine Corps took this on in a way, uh, took her into the Marine Corps knowing that there was a likely, more than likely possibility of her, you know, having issues. They knew that when they brought her in. So you, you cannot, as an institution, uh, take someone's daughter uh, and 
put her in one of the most in one of the harshest systems you could possibly think of, which is the Marine Corps. Uh, male dominated. Oh, by the way, uh, prior sex assault issues. You know, as a teenager, and uh, ignore the fact that you know there may be a problem ahead. I mean, statistically, uh, it was almost a guarantee that she was going to have some issues. And so, um, you know, this is old saying. You know, you break it, you bought it. You know, they were juggling a vase in an expensive store and they dropped it, you know, and you're going to pay for that. And not that she's a vase, but she's certainly a fragile individual. They knew her fragility when they took her in. And so they accept responsibility for that. I mean, it's just like adopting a child. You can't adopt a child and it has, you know, a medical issue and you just put it on a corner and don't feed it, you know, let somebody else problem. That's not how this works. Uh, the Marine Corps is supposed to leave no one behind. And right now I'm, I'm really feeling as a Marine, they're leaving her behind all for the wrong reasons. Uh, and uh, so that's what I'm frustrated about. Um, do you think that they are making an example out of her to, to show other uh, Marines that to claim mental health issues is not going to be a way to, um, to get out of things? Or do you, I mean, do you think, what do you think the reasoning behind them being so unreasonable is? Well, that's an interesting question. I think the Marine Corps would say we are being reasonable. She's accused of attempted murder and we're holding that person accountable for that issue. Right. And, um, you know, um, that's what we're supposed to do. Um, and that 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 without context sounds reasonable to me. Right. And if you tried to kill someone, um, yeah, you should be held accountable. It, it, it's my opinion. OK, this is world according to Montalvo, that that's not what happened. Uh, and, you know, in, in discussing this, you know, with the alleged victim, you know, uh, you know, I think that's a fair understanding of, of what happened. It's, it's, it's not, you know, she um, is hurting. She was hurting and uh, she was not. Um, she was not in her right state of mind. OK, uh, during the incident um, and then, and the, you know, the facts and everything sur uh, surrounding that you know, seem to back that up. So why are they being so difficult? Uh, I, I feel like first there's a, a failure of recognition of the, of the severity of her mental health issues. And that's just been played out by the denial of, of adequate uh, medical assistance. Um, so it's either fail to recognize or deliberate disregard uh, for that. Um, and I think there's a failure context. I think that some of the people that are involved in this process don't understand the context of what's going on in this case and are, are making a uh, knee-jerk uh, determination without, without doing their homework. And um, so if, if people that are in a decision-making uh, position uh, don't have all the facts and circumstances, uh, they may, may make a bad decision. You know, the old saying, poop in, poop out. So I think there's a lot of poop going in and we're getting a lot of poop on the other side. Um, and I, I just hope at some point that we're able to, you know, fully, you know, demonstrate uh, what's really going on here. And we're getting closer to that now. Um, and then maybe better decisions will be made. Have you been able to, because I know you were trying to get them to pay for a um, forensic um, psychiatric exam. Have you been able to get that done or is that still pending? Sure. So in the military system, you can uh, request from the convening authority uh, what they call expert assistance. It, it's expert consultancy uh, prior to, and then uh, and then later you could you know request for expert uh, witness assistance for testimony and providing evidence at at the proceeding. So consultation relates to doing evaluations and understanding you know details and, and being able to work through that. And then later on, if if necessary, uh, we would potentially convert that person into a witness and then they would be able to testify as to their findings if that's appropriate so we've been asking for assistance uh, we didn't we we uh, did not receive adequate assistance uh, at all uh, up until recently um, some of that assistance was obtained through um, you know we, you know we funded that uh, you know, to, to make sure that, that we could understand what, what was going on. Uh, so we used a little bit of, of funding to 
because we didn't trust what we were getting uh, from the system. Uh, and, and that uh, instinct or inclination was correct. Uh, we were not getting accurate information. Um, we were ultimately able to present that information, uh, at least from our perspective, to the judge. And then we've been recently granted within the last uh, couple of weeks, um, you know, both a psychologist a witness expert assistance and then also a psychiatrist. So uh, we are now in a position where we have, you know, the people that we are confident in that can provide us good feedback and understanding of as to exactly what's going on. And we're hopeful that we can, you know, get our heads fully wrapped around that in the next few weeks and then uh, be able to move the case forward. Yeah, that, that is really good news because I know that that was an issue that was out there. And then what are your thoughts on the gag order? If, if you are the Marine Corps and your view is that you are in a battle to win um, and to frustrate the quote-unquote enemy's ability to shoot, maneuver, and communicate, uh, then uh, I guess in that framework, uh, that would make sense. Uh, if you are interested in a constitutional process that gives you uh, due process, both substantively and procedurally, uh, recognizes First Amendment issues, recognizes that uh, it's the accused day in court, uh, recognizes that if you as the government run to the press initially uh, and open a door uh, that, you know, there's a sense of fairness that you, for you to now try to close the door because it's not going your way uh, is, is not appropriate. So, you know, I, I feel that if you are an objective person looking at this and, and hearing that the government is deciding to silence an advocate um you know fr from speaking to you know issues of concern um you know uh, you know I, I i would question that motivation right so i was not happy uh with that effort i i felt it was not grounded in in a in a litigation posture, it was it was some sort of um, you know personal attack on myself and the team, uh, and uh, you know it, 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 I, I I I feel like it was not a well thought out effort and uh, should not have been uh, pushed. So uh, I was I was surprised uh, by the effort. Um, and I'm glad that the judge was able to resolve that uh, finally, uh, because I felt that it was an improper request uh, uh, to be made. And then if you, because you have been on the civilian side, if you, if this, if this case was playing out in a civilian court, what do you, what elements do you think would be different? Um, it's an interesting question. Uh, you know, the United States is really um, uh, diverse. Uh, I know that's Captain Obvious, but, um, you know, the diversity in the United States also brings with it a diversity of uh, tribunals. There's so many different courts. There's so many different judges and prosecutors and, um, you know, communities drive different focuses and, and outcomes, et cetera. Um, and, to, to, and I'm giving you a somewhat of a lawyer's answer, it depends, right? It depends on the form that you're practicing and where you're practicing as to how uh, this would be, you know, viewed. Um, I will tell you that in this particular case, the Commonwealth of Virginia was certainly not in the same position or is not in the same position that um, the Marine Corps is on this case. Uh, so um, if that's any indication, uh, you know, their view 
uh, the Commonwealth's view uh, seems to be in line with our perspective, the defense uh, in terms of, you know, uh, harm and consequence. Uh, and the Marine Corps is trying to uh, use a nuclear missile uh, to kill a flea. So, um, you know, so there's a dramatic, uh, uh, you know, there's an acute difference or, or gap between the civilian perspective on this particular case within the Commonwealth and and the Marine Corps position. My my, based on my experience, I I don't know that that would be much different in virtually any jurisdiction that I've practiced in or I'm aware of. Um, I feel like the Marine Corps position right now is an outlier position. Uh, it, it doesn't comport with the context of the case, and and it's troubling because even within the Marine Corps position, they have repeatedly said this is a time-served issue. If you're truly, truly guilty of quote-unquote attempted murder, is a time-served deal really what you're supposed to be getting? So... Um, you know, even the Marine Corps can't keep it straight, uh, a straight face in this uh, issue in terms of what they're saying is serious. So, um, you know, this this shouldn't be this case shouldn't be being handled the way it is, in my opinion. Um, I believe that's consistent with uh, civilian jurisdictions and even the Commonwealth, like I said, in Virginia, that's aware of this and, and dealt with it exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, that's another troubling, you know, example of uh, what's going wrong here. Well, just to clarify, what you're saying is the charges of attempt murder, right? Those, um, she's already served the amount of time that would be necessary if she was convicted of that crime or? No, no, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Okay, so I didn't think, she, yeah, I was curious. No, no, no. If you were convicted of attempted murder, um, I, don't, I don't have the exact uh, time frame here, but uh, it, you, you were talking years of uh, confinement, dishonorable discharge, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And so what the Marine Corps in the previous motion session is all public, right, you know, have, have come to the table with is they view this as a time served deal that could have been, you know, if they would have accepted the deal uh, that was presented early on, should have been convicted of a misdemeanor uh, and uh, time served uh, maybe a month or two and been and let go uh, very much in line with uh, what might happen out in town. So let's think about this. Uh, husband and wife get into an altercation or boyfriend, girlfriend. Um, there's there's a back and forth, maybe push, shove, whatever, whatever. And there you go. You have, you know, your domestic violence uh, conviction and uh, move along. You're not a felon, right? You may not be able to hold a weapon in the future, which makes sense, right? Uh, but, you know, you're held accountable in some way to say, you know, you can't behave like that. At some point, if you get treatment, you know, obviously it, it makes more sense because, you know, part of the reason that you were at that point is because you were not being treated properly. Right. Mm -hmm. So so that's a contextual issue. But as a general vanilla, you know, uh, you know, relationship altercation, these things have been happening for years. I mean, there's a there's a long history of domestic violence that uh, unfortunately exists in the country. And if people take it to a certain level, uh, you know, obviously they should be held accountable in, in that way. Um, you know, the victim here is a door, right? So I'm not saying that he, you know, it, there wasn't some pain from him as, as a significant other seeing her deteriorate and uh, suffer in the way that she was, which is what, you know, he recognizes was happening. Um, so I'm not diminishing his his position in that exchange, and I'm not I'm not condoning her, uh, you know, you know, sort of actions uh, without the context of the mental health issue, right? So if she were just to, you know, lose it and go after him with you know, uh, 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 you know, an axe, okay, well we got a problem there, right? That's not what happened here, right? So the issue or context of a of a typical domestic violence scenario. Um, setting aside the mental issue, issues in this case, it's you're not in felony land, 
right? You're in a, you know, she spit on me, she slapped my face, she whatever, whatever, whatever. Those are misdemeanor cases that get handled, moved on. There's not significant confinement, et cetera. That's what I'm speaking to. Here, the Marine Corps' posture as to the case is that she needs to be held in confinement 10 plus years because she's engaged in, in attempted murder. It's ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. So you, you can't compare the two is my, my point. And I, th- I think that's another failure here. Well, and also the time between when the event occurred and then when the Marines decided to charge her with this, I, I feel like there was a lot of time in between there. And then they held her without even charging her. Like, and how do they, how can they do that? How does that happen? Um, well, the Marine Corps is allowed to uh, charge. Um, I mean, how do I... There's the uh, charging is, is governed by what we call statute of limitations. So you've seen cases where, you know, an al- a rape allegation may be, you know, years, you know, uh, old and they can still charge. Uh, in fact, I think for uh, sex assault issues, that's now been told. There used to be there used to be a statute of limitation. So you could go back 20 years uh, potentially. Um, on a sex assault allegation and still be charged. So the, so the delay between. You know, charging uh, is a dynamic issue uh, based on the, uh, the facts of the case and what, what the government's doing. Um, in this case, the delay uh, doesn't necessarily trouble me in and of itself. That's not a legal issue of concern here. I think that the fact that, you know, she was hospitalized for seven weeks and then transferred directly into confinement is troubling to me because you don't get held in a mental health facility for seven weeks uh, and think there's nothing wrong. And this is also in the context of them knowing that she's been rated very high for sexual trauma. So, you know, um, I, I, I feel like the context of the charging is what's most concerning because they set in motion a path that they can now not rest themselves from, which is we have to win at all costs. And, and, you know, there's this whole ethics thing as a prosecutor, it's, it's about justice, not about victory. Right. And so, you know, uh, you know, but, you know, for whatever reason, I think the legal leadership is focused on, we we have to get a win here um, and I think that's that's been skewing uh, the case um, administration, and um, but that's what we've got. So. And a win for them would be, like you said, a charge of attempted murder, ten years sure. plus. Like yeah. that would, and yeah. then she well, just is in jail well, for ten years, or? Well, I mean, I I think that from their perspective, they they want they want, and they've said this repeatedly to her to get a bad discharge. But that would ruin her life. Of course, it would. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and not only that, they want it, they want that bad discharge to be um, pled to. So they want her to go in and not go to trial and and just accept that, which is remarkable to me. Right. Um, So, and, and, and so that's why, unfortunately, we have to continue to press because that's not acceptable outcome, not based on the information that we have, at least at this point. So. And then uh, in a military court, doesn't she have to 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 prove to them that she's guilty, too, if she if she decides to plead guilty? Well, if if there's a plea to guilty, that means you have to go through what's called uh, a providency inquiry. So you have to explain to the judge why you believe that you are guilty. And there's also a question about defenses. Right. And so, you know, in a case where you have four thousand plus you know pages of medical records, volume is not indicative of truth, but it certainly is indicia that this is not a pop-up issue, right? Uh, and has persisted, which is, and, and it's also consistent with pre-service issues, right? So this was not something that was manifested on active duty. We bought this car, right? And so she's driving this car uh, with, with an engine that's about to blow up in any minute. And um, and then we head into uh, you know a guilty plea if if we were to do that, and we and she would have to say, well, I don't have any defenses, and 
we can't as a defense competently speak to that because we haven't been given the adequate uh, medical assistance needed to even ascertain that issue. So, uh, you know, so so fundamentally, even if we wanted to plead guilty uh, next week or in a month or whatever, you know, we, we up until recently, uh, we didn't even have the information in order to make that informed decision or counsel her. So um, so the government's delay in providing this sort of assistance has punished her. Uh, and I think it's been done on purpose to have her in confinement longer, uh, so to pressure her. And uh, had they just, you know, resolved this earlier on, we would already be probably done with the case in one way or the other. So uh, the delay here is not defense delay; it's government delay. They own that, and uh, and had they provided us the assistance we would have needed, we would have been able to choose the path we needed to go to uh, much sooner earlier on. So. And how long do you see the timeline dragging out? I know you said you you have some other elements that just came into play, but how long do you see this continuing to drag out? Yeah, um, I will tell you, um, you know, that I am not interested in any further delay. Uh, you know, um, we are working uh, vigorously to um, resolve this in the fastest way possible. Uh but I also have a job to do. And, you know, if I'm, I'm, you know, laying bricks in the wall, I need mortar. And I finally just got the mortar. I had a pile of bricks, but I had no mortar. So I finally got all supplies I need and we're, we're starting to build the wall and uh, I'm going to build as fast as I can. And it's not fair in the sense that the government's had, you know, eight months to play with this thing and I'm just now getting into the game. So, you know, another problem with the process in the system. So I, 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 I the government, I feel the government should absolutely be held accountable for this this unnecessary delay. Uh, this was not a surprise. It's the same issue that's been since day one, uh, and uh, you know we really had to force their hand. You know, thankfully the judge you know was able to you know you know rule in our favor. Um, you know, uh, for the assistance because it's absolutely needed from our perspective. And so now we're, we're going to be able to do the work that we need to do to, to get this where it needs to be, whatever that may be. You know, it may be that she does not have a defense. And so that's something we have to consider. But we're not there yet. We have to speak with the appropriate authorities that know what they're talking about and then, and then heed their guidance. So you definitely have a lot more work to do. Um, as you and I talked about, though, I, I just expect or I'm absolutely certain that you will win this case. That's just my opinion. Um, and she will um, she will get a medical discharge. But I guess my question to you is. After all of this, after she's gone through all of this, will she be able to walk away from this? And do you think that she will be able to live a fulfilling life? Or do you think this I mean, this case is really like. Yeah, um, that's a really uh, complex question. Um, so let, let me say it like this. Um, she, she is not mentally well, uh, not, 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 uh, within the general framework of, um, what most people, sorry, excuse me, just interrupting. Can you hear that? Mm-mm. Okay. Um, she, her mental health uh, capability is is below average, um, and the traumas that she suffered, you know, from sexual assault trauma, you know, multiple, um, to the treatment that she's received at at the hands of the government and this confinement, further complicate her mental health sort of, um, you know, picture, and um, and. This she is suffering from, in my opinion, uh, subject to what I'm going to be told by the experts. But there's some concession that she does have a severe disease or mental defect. I mean, that's that's uniform so far uh, from everybody that's looked at her. Uh, she's going to be suffering from this for a lifetime. So um, I think she's going to be challenged. I think if they pull the carpet out from under her and she doesn't get you know the medical retirement. Um, that in my opinion, she is owed because the Marine Corps broke her and they owe her that in, in this case, the Marines always said, you know, that we don't owe you anything. Well, in this case, they, they, they actually do uh, because they broke it and they bought it. So 
Uh, and the last thing we want is a young lady, uh, you know, given all that she's confronted to this point, you know, out there on the economy uh, trying to make it. Uh, because I think that's a recipe for disaster. I think that, um, you know, she's going to need support. Uh, she's not uh, from a family of means. Uh, she's going to have to take care of herself for the rest of her life and, um, you know, and overcome, you know, this really horrible, you know, period in her life on top of everything else she's already suffered, um, you know loss of her mother to mental health issues. Um, you know, dad is, is not, you know, in the best of health, uh, and sister is also, you know, confronting some issues. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what her life will look like. I hope she finds someone who can support her and take care of her, uh, you know, walk this, this life with her, you know, in a path, um, and that, you know, but I, I feel, really feel strongly about resource and I hope that we can get to a point where she gets the resource she needs to get her medication and, and, and assistance as need be as she makes her way through life and, and grows older. So I, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful for her. She's very intelligent. Uh, I just hope that the disease or, or the issues don't overcome her. And um, so I'm worried about her. Uh, I, you know, but I, I'm hopeful that she can walk a good path. And, um, do you feel if, if you can make any changes right now within the Marine Corps, um, specific changes that would, would have helped with this case, what are some of, what would those be? Um, I think the recruiting process needs to be um looked at again i think the pressure on some of these recruiters to fill seats um has to be curtailed uh in some way or or revisited or recalibrated I, you know um this wasn't a slip up uh they knew about her for a year uh they told her to get off medication so she could you know enter the marine corps um so um i think i you know just error, 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 error. So, and, uh, you know, this story is not a surprise. So, um, so I think that has to be scrutinized. I think there has to be an off ramp. Um, if, if someone is coming to the table with a mental health issue, they are no longer, no longer able to function as a Marine that has to be recognized. Right. It's it's, it, you know, a 70 percent rating for sexual trauma is not insignificant. OK, a 70 percent rating is a very significant rating. Uh, so that means it's ser very serious. Right. And the failure to recognize that and to assume that this person can function within a normal range of behavior and be held accountable and deal with all the stress that the Marine Corps brings on you when the sergeant's up your butt or staff sergeant or the gunny or the captain or, you know, whatever. Or, all you're, of working, that, or you're working with the guy that sexually assaulted you. Well, well there, right. On, on top of everything that's going on, uh, you know, uh, that seems to me to be silly at, at best. Right. So I think that, um, you know, there has to be a real look at, you know, an off-ramp for people that fall into this category for legitimate reasons and uh, give them a treatment and environment that they can, you know, operate within. If it's found that someone is faking it, the system will figure that out. And if they're faking it, they can hold them accountable. I'd love to see the statistic on how many mental health cases that we can discover that actually were malingering, not very many. Okay. The malingering stuff came up when people were going to war and they, they were afraid to shoot and they shoot themselves and doing all this stupid. It was pretty obvious, whatever. Th there is nothing in this case that suggests that she uh, was making it up. Okay. That they're just nothing. And they, they, they tried to go there and, and it just, it just, it doesn't make any sense. So, um, you know, so there has to be a recognition by the Marine Corps that they cannot solve all problems, right? Uh, you know, and this, you can't, you just, you cannot fix mental health issues. They have, they need treatment, right? There's not a pill that you take that cures mental health illness. 
uh, it is a management issue. It is a treatment issue, a sustained process over time, and it's not going to be resolved. If you're suffering from a severe disease or mental defect, that's not going away. It's like lifelong, God forbid, cancer. It's just, it's not going away. And um, I just, there's a failure recognition of the, of the magnitude of what was going on. People didn't do their homework. They didn't look into her record. Um, you know, they, they just, they just passed her along. And, um, you know, that's a huge failure, you know, in the system. And I, I think there has to be an off-ramp uh, for that. Um, combine that with her sex assault concerns. Um, you know, it, it, it compounds the issue, right? And um, I think that, you know, there should be, if I had to wave a magic wand, a completely separate uh, and, and distinct, uh, you know, uh, area where these cases are going to be dealt with or resolved, whether that's in or outside the military. Um, the military honestly shouldn't even be getting into this business, right? Um, you know, when it comes to sex assault, mental health issues, et cetera, you know, the, the military is not a bunch of doctors running around. They're not a bunch of, you know, uh, judges or prosecutors. Uh, they're they're uh, weapons of lethality, right? I mean, they're, they're meant to go over and uh, take out the bad guy if we need to, uh, or have force protection, uh, you know, projection, so we can deter the enemy from doing anything stupid. And the Marine Corps is, you know, the best at, at doing that, right? Um, and so that's where we want them to be. Uh, a Marine Corps is there to defend the nation when and wherever uh, needed. Um, so let them do that. And when it comes to this sort of stuff, which is not in their bag of tricks, I mean, I'm not trained in boot camp to do this kind of stuff, uh, you know, give it to the specialists that can handle this. Um, get it out of this commanding general's hands who's going to spend 20 seconds listening to some lawyer tell him we need to do X, Y, Z, and that's all the treatment the case is going to get. Uh, CG's a busy person, right? They've got a lot of things going on, and, uh, you know, this, the system is not set up well to really attend to these issues, and I, I think this, that's, that's playing out in this case. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And then I think, um, as you and I both know that the I am Vanessa Guillen bill will address that. So hopefully, um, that will, that bill will pass, um, shortly here, but, uh, we just don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, and you've kind of already, uh, one last question. Um, you've kind of already answered this, but if you could, if you could talk about how just in general, how are we going to fix the sexual assault problem in the military? You talked about taking it to a third party, but what are some of the other things that you think that we could focus on that would help? Well, um, I think the reporting process is flawed. Um, it's, it's a very cold, uh, stilted process. Um, you basically have to, it's almost a walk of shame to have to go in and decide when you're in the most pain possible, and of course we're talking about legitimate claims of, of sex assault, um, you know, to bear your soul, right? To be questioned why you didn't subject yourself to a rape kit, a very violative uh, process, okay? Uh, extraordinarily intrusive and uncomfortable uh, exam. Um, and, and so for a woman to this is mostly mostly women are are are, are the the complainants here. Uh, you know, men can be sexually assaulted as well, so I'm not dismissing. But the vast majority of, of concerns relate to you know uh, women related sex assault, and um, you know, and women, you know, by virtue of size and demeanor, are are, are automatically vulnerable in a, in a male dominated you know service like the Marine Corps. Right, you're already at, at a physical disadvantage. You know, for the most part then uh, you're having to talk to a man generally uh, to, to articulate this, usually a senior person. Uh, and so you have created such an uncomfortable scenario uh, for a victim to come forward. And then what happens is they look around and they see how other victims are treated. And uh, there, there, there's, there's no way that uh, you wanna be part of that system. And then uh, unfortunately, what also happens is for a lot of women, 
um, and I'm not trying to be a generalist, but in my experience, they blame themselves. How did I put myself in this position? How, how, why did I drink too much? Why, what, whatever. Did I wear something I shouldn't have worn? Did I encourage this thing and all of this nonsense? And uh, it's not nonsense. I, you know, I, but, but my point being that, you know, no one, if you did not give permission for someone else to touch you, then they don't get to touch you. That's just it. That's just a rule. That's the, you know, and it, you know, whether it's a tap, you know, a kiss, a hug or whatever, 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 you just don't get to do that. And, um, you know, there's a failure to understand once that violation occurs, uh, you know, providing a way for, for people to first heal. Uh, the first question that's being driven is, you know, restricted or unrestricted. Are you going to, you're going to tattle, right? That's the issue. Are you going to tattle, you know, or not? Right. Mm -hmm. And if you're not, oh, maybe it's not a real complaint, you know, and so that's the position they're going to. Why don't we get them into treatment first? Why don't we assess fully what's really going on? Because for somebody to walk down that hall and have that come out of their mouth, whether it's true or not, there's something going on. Right. If it's true, somebody needs to be held accountable. If it's not true, you have other issues that you Mm -hmm. have to deal with. Right. Regardless of what is coming forward, something has to be done because there's a problem. Okay, and right now uh, it's not being dealt with that way. It's it's being dealt with. Okay, are you a rat or not? And then if you are, okay, we'll go through the motions, you know. And then whatever, whatever, whatever. And in this case, they didn't even go through the full motion, and then accused her of being a malinger on top of it in the face of all of this medical evidence and determinants. So it just, I think that from a sex assault standpoint, there has to be a way for us to restructure the reporting process to encourage a disclosure without consequence and for people to get the treatment that they need because a person needs healing, uh, you know, ultimately the most, uh, whether somebody gets convicted or not usually doesn't provide a victim, you know, any, any solace at the end of the day, it's, it's a very violative process uh, to go through, uh, to get to a conviction. It's, it's almost, uh, you know, re-traumatizing them. Uh, so from the very first instance, I think, uh, you know, the orientation should be more on treatment, not on, not on reporting, uh, to, you know, allow that, that to, you know, be dealt with. And then if she decides, uh, if it be a she to make, uh, a reporting, uh, she can do so after being heard. Because uh, half the time it's just being heard that makes a difference. Yeah, I think I think those are great insights, um, definitely. And um, I wanted the last question I wanted to ask you is, what else do you want the public to know about this case right now? Or what did we miss? Is there anything that we missed about this case that you would like to discuss? I just think that. Um, I want the public and hopefully the Marine Corps to realize that as we as we move forward, our nation will become more diversified. Uh, women will become more prevalent in our services. And um, we have to do better. Um, we, we have to recognize that the status quo on how we deal with these things is not acceptable. And um, and this is not a fight, okay? We should not be fighting to provide people justice and treatment. That, that, that this is not a competition here. It is a, is a unfortunate reality of, of, of society that there are bad actors and sometimes they do bad things. And, um, you know, we, we really need to be frustrated with how this is occurring uh, now. Uh, her case should frustrate uh, the Marine Corps and anybody around it and say, you know, how, how do we do better here? Uh, you know, how, how can Tay show us a, a better way? Um, and, uh, you know, so I'd, I'd like everyone to think through if, if a parent hands over their son or daughter to any 
military organization, are we really going to believe that they're going to take care of them? Because if they're not going to, that's going to hurt recruiting. It's going to hurt our national security into the future. And we're going to get ourselves in trouble in a, in a big way. Uh, and if we have examples of these types of cases continuing to persist and they keep coming up time and time again, whatever we're doing isn't working and it's affecting our national security. This goes from racial discrimination issues that are uh, prevalent. Uh, the Navy's having a real struggle with that right now. Um, you know, the sex assault issues that continue to manifest themselves, uh, you know, and, and the failure to fully address mental health issues. Um, so, you know, there, there's a bag of issues that, um, you know, exist, uh, are concerning. And, um, you know, as, as the nation looks forward, uh, status quo is not going to get it done. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that thought. It's very powerful. Um, all right. Well, th we really appreciate your time today and being here. Um, good luck to you and from you. the advocacy groups, I'm sure that are out here, um, supporting this movement. Good luck. And we know you're going to win. So we're yeah, just looking forward it. to it. It's just a matter of time until it happens. So, and thank you again. Yes, ma'am. Have a good afternoon. Bye.